Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. On tonight's program, we have Michael Wayne of Medallion Financial looking at the recovery of tech stocks. Which ones are really the good ones? Which are the ones that are going to have more upside? And what are the, the ones that have been ignored right now that will eventually be accepted when this rebound becomes more convincing, the rebound of the stock market, of course. And then we've got uh, Adam Dawes of Shore and Partners, and Adam's going to look at reporting season and the standout stocks he thinks look really, really good. Um, and then Paul Rickard looks at three stocks they've reported, Telstra, Bendigo, and Bluescope. And each stock has a different point of view. They really are income paying stocks at the best. They're not high growth stocks, but they're not bad stocks when you think about putting them into a portfolio. Now, before we go to uh, Michael Wayne, I've written a story today for the Switzer Report, and I've looked at the 10 tech stocks that analysts really like. Now, they like them to different magnitudes. I think Tyro about uh, 100% upside, the analysts believe, but you know, analysts are doing their best guessing the future. But it was interesting when I went looking for 10 tech stocks that have a positive outlook. And I came up with the acronym BETA ASX MEN, believe it or not. BETA stands for Block Elmo Tyro Ordinate. Uh, ASX stands for Altium Seek and Zero. And MEN, Megaport, EML and NextDC. Interesting story. If you're not subscribed to the Switzer Report, you might like to have a look at that report. Can I explain why the analysts still like these companies or why they like these companies going forward? Now let's cross to Michael Wayne of Medallion Financial. Joining us now is Michael Wayne of Medallion Financial. Michael, great to see you. Good to be here, Peter. Well, you know, last time we talked, we were kind of wishing and hoping <laughs> that tech stocks would make a bit of a comeback, and they had made a bit of a comeback. And I think at the time, you thought that the quality ones would probably move first. Yeah. Has that, has that been the case, do you think? Yeah, I think it definitely has been the case. And, and I thought, I think I mentioned last time, we're getting pretty nervous on some of those bottom quality tech names. And we yeah. did do a lot of selling around that. Um, but we did maintain a lot of the quality ones, you know, mm. businesses like realestate.com, Seek, Ordinate. Mm. Um, we even sold Megaport there at one point, um, yeah. but we did use the update about a few weeks ago now to get back in. Yep. Um, but it is looking a little bit healthier on that front. I think the valuations have come back a lot, which is starting to maybe draw a bit of money into that part of the market, particularly mm. now, I think the market is a bit more comfortable on where inflation is heading and also that interest rates will probably have to start coming down eventually mm. um, to looking out one, two, three years. So yeah. that's yeah, brought a bit more attention back and, and I think that, you know, prior to probably the middle of June, you had not only fears about a serious recession in the mm. US, you had the fears that yeah. there could be a massive interest rate rise before that yeah. recession hit. It, it seems like they've hosed down all those exaggerated fear factors, yeah. haven't they? Well, Everyone was very, very nervous, rightly so, probably because markets haven't had to deal with a, a rate rise cycle as vicious as what we've been dealing with recently. Mm. But going into this, market, uh, economies are in a pretty good position and I think they've been strong enough to withstand those interest rate increases, at least so far it appears that way. 
Um, so that's why I think the confidence has come back in. I mean, I'll be very surprised if markets just rallied straight back to where they were six months ago, given all that's going, going yeah. on at the moment. Um, and although we've had some more pleasing news of late, it wouldn't take much to set the markets on a negative turn again, mm. should some of that information, that data start yeah. to deteriorate. Yeah. And look, it makes sense. If a market has a nice rise, there's always going to be some profit takers. Yeah. My feeling is, we unless some real surprise curveball comes from left field, I don't think the US market will go below the, the lows we saw in, in yeah. June. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, as I mentioned, if they go back and maybe test those lows or, mm. or work. There's been a pretty rapid rise throughout mm. July, one of the best monthly increases for July ever, mm. I think it was. So... Is that for the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ? That was for the NASDAQ. S&P 500 wasn't bad either Mm. as well. So, yeah, there's definitely some more optimism coming in. Potentially everyone was getting a little bit too negative. Um, The earnings season in the US uh, so far has been not bad, Mm. although there have been a lot of misses on the cash flow numbers. Mm. That's something to keep an eye on. A lot of companies have built up their inventories over the last six months as fears around supply chains were building. But... Mm. Again, they seem to be easing and moderating as well. Um, so, look, it's it's a tough situation the markets are in at the moment because of Tell all the uncertainty. That's the whole thing. When it's, through when history, it's flying high, you wonder when it's going to turn around. There's always something to worry about. Um, yeah. But look, inflation's been the key thing. Interest rates has been the follow-through impact from that. Um, but I think the markets are now less concerned about how high, how high interest rates are going and now more focused about when they're going to come down. Yeah. Because you can't raise interest rates as quickly and as, as high as they've been increased without slowing the economy down. Mm. And the central <clears throat> banks will be conscious of that and won't want to sort of overdo it potentially. Yeah. It seems to me like NASDAQ was down about 33% yeah. of its worth. So that was a, a pretty bad bear market. Yeah. It's now down about 17%. So we call that a correction, mm. right? Our own local market where, where we were in correction mode and now we're in pullback mode we're, we're about down seven or, or six yeah, percent nothing too bad and it just also tells i i believe that the u.s um surge after the coronavirus was excessive it had to be, be yeah. pulled back and now i think the companies that justify it will go up in the share price and that means that the index will probably just sneak up rather than surge back that's right and you look at the australian market um it's, it's all banks and mines i mean bhp's what, 11% of the index or something these days, yeah. given the, the bringing back of that overseas dual listing. Mm. Um, the ASX is on about 13 times PE, mm. which, is, bad, which right? is below the, the long-term average, mm. about 14 and a half. Yeah. Obviously, that's brought down a little bit by the banks and the miners. So, look, there, I think there's a lot more value on the table, and people are now being a bit more selective about where they put their money. But mm. a lot of good quality names got thrown out with the rest of everything else. Yeah. And now that bargain hunting, selective bargain hunting starts to come yeah. back. Yeah, let's go to the tech stocks. You mentioned yeah. Norden 8. Norden 8 was smashed earlier on, yeah. but we always said it had a distinctive technology. And another reason why I like Megaport, it has a fairly distinctive yeah. world-class technology. And those guys have been coming back. We, we, we noticed that you know, REA, I think REA up about 30% yeah. uh, since it's low. And only like a month or two it's yeah. come back. And, and that's despite the fact that it was borrowing about house prices. But the, yeah, what's the argument there? How well, the listings well? has actually increased, believe yeah, it or not, And they're there longer the and people pay, pay more. Exactly right. So yeah. they've dispelled those fears probably once again. Yeah. 
Um, but we're starting to see a lot of updates come from the businesses and it does give you the chance to allay some of those fears you might have had mm. and gives you the opportunity to jump back into them if yeah. you haven't been in them before. It's an opportunity to get into them for the yeah, first time. Yeah, these prices, they're, they're attractive. So if you're taking a two, three year view on these high quality names that are growing earnings and revenues, double digits, mm. seeing their margins expand, then you can be pretty comfortable, I think, in, yeah. in looking at some of those names. For the Switzer report today, uh, I wrote this yesterday, I thought myself, let's just see if I can find 10 tech stocks that the analysts yeah. actually <laughs> like. And there are, there's even more than 10. Yeah. And some of them have, have really big upsides and they'll probably take time to to um, live up to the yeah. expectations of the analysts. But as a group, they were smashed and there was a rotation out yeah. of tech. So obviously over the next three to six months, more and more pe uh, people will start looking at these companies, particularly if the companies uh, report well yeah. or say they're cutting costs. And that, that, that tends to help tech stocks, doesn't it? Absolutely. And we saw with the update from Ordinate, one of their big concerns initially was getting access to, to chips and, and supply chains. Mm. They came up with an update and allayed a lot of those concerns. Yeah. Um, their, their revenue numbers were a, a big beat on expectations. Uh, the EBITDA numbers were, were very, very good as well. And it didn't take much to see the share price go from 550 back towards $10. And Man, I think you'll job. see a lot of that with some of these tech names that have been indiscriminately sold. They'll mm. come out with a decent update, hopefully, and yeah. they'll basically articulate how it hasn't been as bad mm. as many people are expecting. And then you'll see some swift recoveries. It's quite amazing um, how the market will believe, how, will believe in group think, in a yeah. sense. And Disney, I think, was a, a classic case that it reported well, and actually, apart from the fact that streaming is now being in Netflix, they're kind of expecting it to yeah. do well streaming. But one of its best areas are theme parks. People are actually getting out and doing yeah. stuff. And that's the reopening trade that we talked about probably two years ago. Let's wait for the reopening trade. Well, it is actually starting to happen, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's definitely the case. You can look at some of um, the Australian companies that are involved in the reopening theme. One that we did have was a, a company called Vicinity Centres, yeah, yeah. who owned a bit of Chadston, they own the Strand Arcade, QVB, and they've been on a slow recovery path, mm. but definitely sort of increasing in their share price, their dividends are kicking back in. And for something that's a fairly conservative type company, property-based assets, yeah. you've seen a 30% capital gain plus you know, 5% dividends or yeah. so. So the reopening trade continues to play out. Travel will be interesting to see how the travel stocks mm. all report. Um, but you're seeing that, I think, across a lot of different areas. Yeah, I, I suspect that in a year's time, people won't hate Alan Joyce as much as they <laughs> do today because airlines will be getting back to normal, yeah. I think, within a year. And there'll be more flights available, yeah. more workers. And so all the things that Joyce is copying it for at the moment will start to dissipate and the share price will reflect it, I think. It's a, it's a tough gig, being <laughs> Alan Joyce. He's always getting pillared or in one way or another. Yeah. But, I mean, what's he meant to do in the lockdowns? There were no flights. He's yeah. had to obviously reduce the workforce considerably. Mm. Obviously, now they're trying to bring, bring that on as quickly as possible. But, look, the airlines, it's hard with Qantas. We're never a huge fan of the airlines because no. of all the different Things components and variables that volcanoes. go into them. Volcanoes <laughs> or... COVID price of oil. Whatever, the price yeah. of oil was Hopeless. looking very hairy for them a few months ago. That's yeah. now moderated. But mm. I think people are travelling. Um, people are back out Big and about. Time. You saw the City of the Surf yesterday. Then mm. mm. there was a sellout at the SCG. So people are definitely getting back out and about. And that will filter into different parts of the economy. People might not be spending as much on retail or they mm. might not be buying as many 
um, couches for their, their home renos, but they're definitely getting out and having experiences. Oh, yeah, services are big now. Yeah. Uh, last time we talked, we kind of thought that a company like Ordinate and yes. Megaport had potential. Uh, they've probably bounced back faster yeah. than we thought, but great, fantastic. Is there a stock that you like now that you think's got good potential for the next three to six months? Well, uh, three to six months, look, something like Ordinate Megaport would be comfortable with. They'll, they'll keep going. Realestate.com yeah. Seek, I think, is another one that's about to Yeah, I think Seek is, is the, the, the sneaker. I, I wrote that in my article today. Yeah, we think that's a very high quality business. They've done a lot of investment <laughs> in that company and expanding their offerings and, and different markets as well. And that will start to come to the fore, I think, for them. Mm. Uh, things like IDP education, again, be careful because it doesn't report to later in the, the mm, month. A lot of people like IDP. That's a, a business that had a lot of overhang, but there's been a lot of selling from the universities that owned a component of that. Mm. Uh, I think you can throw in zero as well. It's still below $100, was as low as 75 or yeah. whatever, but that's picked up. Aristocrat, I've given away half our portfolio here, but yeah, well, Aristocrat's that's, that's another that's one. That's the point of the exercise. That's here. another one where... But it changes. If people want to get access to... Oh, of course. You, you do change I'm happy to, to divulge a bit of it. It's yeah. no problem at all. But they're, they're sort of the, the tech growth names that are the major core in mm. our portfolios. So the ones that, like the buy now, pay laters and all that sort of stuff, it's going, to, it's going to be really hard for them, isn't it? They've got issues. With all those smaller growth companies that were on very, very high multiples... Yeah. Um, people aren't going to throw more equity at these companies to keep them going, especially not at the same prices that they were six, 12 months no, ago. No. So those companies are starved for capital. They're not really generating much cash flow. They're not really generating earnings or revenue. Revenues might still be going up, but yeah. there's nothing really flowing through to the bottom line. So they're still desperate for outside capital through capital raisings, et cetera, they're the ones that are going to struggle. Mm. The ones that can pull back costs a little bit and be self-sufficient, mm. I think they're the types of tech names or growth names that people will gravitate back to towards first, rather than those that are reliant on more and more capital raisings yeah. to drive their growth. And have you had a gut full of Appen? Of Appen, yeah, lucky we've been not in Appen for a long, long time. Yeah, okay. But um, I think it would be very, very difficult to, to pick them up. They've just continually let the market down. There was also a takeover offer on the table for Appen, which was very quickly pulled, yeah. and that might and say a lot. It wasn't a bad offer considering no, the share price. that's well. right. So I think for Appen, you've got to be very careful. It, people lump that together with a lot of the high-growth tech businesses, but really it's, it's not. It's yeah. a lot of people sitting in a room. Very labour-intensive. Um, very yeah. labour-intensive, you know, marking this is a stop sign, this is a stop sign. That way they can sell that data onto... Um, the automated car companies, for instance, but there is a big labour component to it and the margins were never as high um, yeah. as some of those other high growth tech names. And a lot of the um, big names like Facebook and all those sort of... That's so right. ...have been prevented from using some of that information, so therefore Appen's not as valuable to them anymore. Yeah, that's mm. right. So be careful of Appen. It's just, I think it hasn't meet or met expectations or beat expectations for two four years five, now. Yeah, four or five times. Yeah. All right, mate, good to see you. Now, thanks for having me. It's Michael Wayne with Dalian Financial. Well, joining me now is Adam Dawes of Shore and Partners. Adam, good to see you. Great to be here, Peter. How are you going today? Excellent, mate. Let's talk about reporting season. And JB Hi-Fi reported today. What do you think? Look, it wasn't a bad result, to be honest. Um, you know, look, talking about reporting season, certainly that uh, 
with only with only 20% of the ASX companies being reported so far, most being the financials and the REITs. Uh, early signs suggest that it's going to be a good reporting season, as well as that, you know, most of the issues that are coming through, most of the companies are going to talk about input cost pressures coming through as their number one yeah. issue. But certainly JB Hi-Fi didn't disappoint uh, today. They came out with uh, overall $545 million profit. A um, couple of things that they did talk about, which was quite interesting, that they, they thought that supply chain issues are improving, which is the first time we've heard a lot of companies starting to talk about that kind of stuff. They've also said phones yeah. and computers are no longer discretionary items, which is quite interesting well, no. as well. They're and, staple, uh, that, mate. They're staple. They're staples, exactly right. So we might move, yeah. might move JB Hi-Fi from there to Woolies. It would be perfect. Nice little... Uh, <laughs> and then uh, they, consumer they spending... a few is, other things. Yeah, exactly. Consumer spending is forecast <laughs> to remain at current levels. So in other words, they said that basically everything is moving in the right direction uh, and numbers aren't looking too bad at the moment for JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, and of course, I guess this is one of the... Doesn't have too many um, reports fr without Richard Murray. And, you know, Richard Murray was a very good leader of JB Hi-Fi, so it's good to see that the, the current CEO is keeping up the good work. Yeah, Terry Smart says that uh, he's, he's, he's actually looking uh, going forward that obviously uh, discum consumer discretionary is looking a little bit better, but he also said that the JB Hi-Fi is forecast to obviously do very, very well uh, going forward. But they did say that um, that might change in 2023. So that's what's tempered the stock uh, a little bit today. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there saying, well, look, we can't spend on products forever. And we really went mad during the lockdown st stage. And people are desperate to spend on services, as we've seen with people flying overseas. But there are a, a large chunk of people who won't go near Europe or the USA until the COVID threat has really dissipated totally, let alone Asia. But by 23, 24, there'll be a lot more travellers. It would be a lot safer to do so. And you'd think that the retail businesses will suffer a bit. Yeah, look, you're right. And, and last week we saw the, uh, the Westpac Melbourne Institute survey of consumer sentiment drop around about 3% which is pretty much taking it back to August 2020 levels. So you, you did see yeah. that consumer sentiment starting to dip away, but retail sales starting to move a little bit higher as well. So there is this little sort of a, a, a pull away from where it normally trades. And I'll be just a little bit concerned about the consumer sentiment numbers. That is moving in the wrong direction. So albeit yeah. we do have high levels mm. of saving, we do have our, uh, our homes, which are obviously been a little bit, you know, sort of sideways at the moment. But overall, the consumer is still looking pretty good at the moment. So those sales numbers yeah. are looking good, but the confidence levels are starting to slip. So it's a little bit of a buyer beware on that one. Yeah. And you've got to understand, anyone's paying higher interest rates, higher mortgage repayments, they're going to find it harder to spend. But there are two thirds of Australians who don't have a home loan who are probably still out there spending like there is no, no tomorrow. Well, that's why we like the the, the uh, Levises of the world or the Universals of the world, where it's the young people uh, coming through. They don't have a they don't have a mortgage. They're not worried about interest rates. Mm. They're worrying about what's going to happen next weekend. And something like a Levisa, which is up four and a half percent today, uh, that really yeah. sort of sits well because those young consumers still have a fair bit of cash 
to plough through into that retail market. Yeah, and the interesting thing about La Visa is that it not only attracts to young people, I think older people buy, buy gifts for their younger you know, son, daughters and, and, and granddaughters and whatever in a company like La Visa. Yeah, it's that fast fashion, isn't it? You know, what, what, what's trendy mm, today fashion, might not yeah. be trendy in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And that's really starting yeah. to show with LaVisa's numbers where as the stock's up today. But it, it, it does show that, that there, there is resilient pockets inside of that discretionary spend. It might not be at JB Hi-Fi or it might not be at Harvey Norman, but certainly that younger group, uh, which isn't you or me, Peter. Sorry to say, but uh, you know that that's certainly, no, no, definitely uh, not. Unfortunately, <laughs> it definitely shows that there are those people out there that uh, they certainly they're not worrying about uh, interest rate hikes. They're not worried about energy prices that are sort of crunching households at the moment. They're willing to spend a little bit on those that fashion, that jewelry, that kind of thing to uh, to make them look relevant. So yeah, yeah it's an interesting yeah. dichotomy that we're seeing in yeah. the consumer space yeah. at the moment. Yeah, you mentioned Lavisa, which I do know. What was the other one you mentioned? Uh, Universal. So Universal is a mm. uh, young young people's. I say young people, uh, young yeah. young young kids um, online fashion group. Uh, that basically comes okay. out, and again, it's been we we think it's it's quite immune to, albeit one broker downgraded the stock to neutral today. Uh, it's had a good run. Uh, Universal is one of those ones that uh, again fits that sort of young person uh, demographic for that online buying of fashion, fast okay. fashion. Okay, um, part of your job is to look at look out for stocks that and companies that have potential. And, you know, and you know, I've talked you know for the last couple of years about that. Is there, has there been one company that's reported which is, which has said to you, yeah, I, I was right to like this company and the report has, has endorsed or uh, told me that I'm on the right course and this company has upside. So you can say I'm asking for a lot, something that you've liked, something that's reported well and still has upside for my viewers to think, okay, this is one of Doors Destroyers. Doors destroyers. We might make a section of that one. Hey, how's that? We might put uh, yeah. a little group together. Look, one that actually reported today was Blue Scope Steel. Again, moving away from that consumer numbers or consumer confidence and those yeah. kinds of things. But Blue Scope Steel actually reported really good numbers going forward. That hot coil roll uh, number was looking good with a couple of acquisitions that they did. Um, they've increased the buyback yeah. and the dividends been remained. So something like a Blue Scope Steel albeit a little bit boring for people. I've got a lot of money in this one at around the $19 mark. I'm a little bit underwater, but I'm holding on for clients because I think this one uh, does look like it's going to do well over time. The other side of the, the equation is the coal stocks. Now, I know it's out of favour at the moment. Nobody really, really likes the coal stocks, but these guys are spitting out ridiculous amounts of cash at the moment. So for anybody that's potentially doesn't have an ESG filter and they're comfortable to buy these coal stocks, uh, you know, uh, Bowen Coal, Whitehaven's done very, very well, Terracom, all of these kinds of things, they're going to be spitting out some amazing amount of numbers with dividends to follow as well. So that's a sector that I, we're, we're, definitely, we're definitely overweight in, in in space for clients is mm. the coal sector. So definitely one of those ones to keep yeah. an eye on. Yeah, and I should make the point that you have actually for the last year or so talked about the prospects of Blue Scope and it has has come on come through um uh, in spades. Well, it's good to see that you're not always wrong, uh, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to be, but you know, no, we're all right. human. But, but, but tipping is a tough game and uh, you got that one particularly right. Mate, thanks for joining us.
Thanks, Peter. Have a great afternoon. Same to you, mate. As I'm doors of Shaw and Partners. So I'm joined by Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. We're looking at some of the companies that have reported so far. And uh, he likes Telstra. Yeah, Paul? Well, I like Telstra for, the, for uh, people who like what I would describe as an annuity stock, Peter. This is a stock that, uh, look, you're never going to get rich owning Telstra. But it, what I really like about Telstra is the share price is incredibly stable, right? Mm. For most of the last 12 months, it's traded between three eighty-five dollars and $4.10. And you can't get much, given the volatility we've had. Yeah, true. Right? Uh, you can't get more stable than that. And also, um, the most important thing to come out of the Telstra result was they increased the dividend by half half a cent. Which, which surprised people, didn't Which it? surprised people. And that's told you that, uh, you know, the directors are confident that uh, Telstra can grow its underlying earnings. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it's, there's a bit of history to the dividend, how it's been put together. There's been an ordinary component and a special component. But by and large, it tells you they're going to keep on paying at least 16 and a half cents going forward. Which, which in yield terms is what? It's about four and a quarter percent. But, you know, at four dollars, four and a quarter percent yield is not super brilliant. But if you haven't got much downside risk, yeah. it's also not that unexciting. So It's a core portfolio. So I think for income seekers and also for people you know, looking at a chance for your, for your core portfolio, there's a bit of value there. It's not, right. you know, it's not going to rock the socks off, right? Trust me, you aren't going to be ring phoning <coughs> back in a year's time and saying, hey, I've got rich out of Telson. That ain't no. going to happen. But right. there is some value there. The next one, and I, I must admit I'm coming in blind. I don't know whether they reported well or, or badly. Uh, I thought Blue Scope share prices looked pretty attractive recently. How did it report? Well, it reported better than expected, and that's oh. probably the reason why it's up today about five or six percent. Oh, it good. has actually. So I didn't give give people a bump no, steer. It, it okay. has been sold down. It's really a tale of sort of uh, two halves, and what's kept, what's happening out there in the international steel market. It mm. had an absolute ripper uh, year on year, and also uh, the first half, but. The second half was a lot weaker than the first half, and that was sort of expected. Mm. And what they're foreshadowed for the next half uh, is also a lot weaker. So to put that in perspective, I mean, uh, just the, the figures were something like it went from about 1.9 billion EBIT in FY21 to about 3.9 EBIT in FY22. Sure. Almost doubled mm. uh, its contribution over the course of the year. <laughs> The first half was about 2.3 billion. The second half was only 1.5 billion. Now that 1.5 was better than expected, but looking ahead, their forecast uh, next year to be a bit about 800 to 900. Yeah, so it's, a, big it's a big decrease looking ahead into in the next. But it still months. went up. But it still went up. And I think what the market liked was two things. One, it beat expectations this yeah. year, and it did beat overall. Secondly, uh, it's it generated net cash, and it's it's increasing its buyback. Uh, which is a positive. Yeah. Thirdly, it maintained its dividend. So it had a, had a, it recently changed its policy to try to pay a dividend of 50 cents per share, and it's, it maintained that. And fourthly, you know, it said, look, its dividend next year might be frank because it will start to pay tax. So I think the market, look, let's give the market some time. Overall, it had, Blue Scope has come off quite a bit in the last few months, mm. right? Mm. And so um, the fact that it was quite a big beat uh, for FY22, um, not sure just where people were expecting next year to be, but Bluescope's problem is, is, is it's like there's, there's sort of two things at play here. One is that its raw material costs have gone up, yep. that, and that's primarily uh, coking coal. Yeah, we all know what's yes. happened in the coal market. Yeah. Steel's so, come so down. Vladimir Putin is a role yep. on this one. Yep. Uh, steel, steel's come. Uh, sorry, uh, 
Iron ore's come down a bit, but the price of coking coal has, has shot up considerably. Mm. Uh, and on the, uh, on the output side, prices have been under a bit of pressure. So the actual spread, mm. what we call the, the steel spread, has really moved down. And in fact, the, the, the big contributor to their earnings this year has been their North Star business, which mm. is the business they bought in the US. They're projecting next year North Star to be about, only make about 25% of what it did this year. So that tells you how much the steel spread has, has mm. compressed. Now, economy picks up, uh, you know, steel's a funny market. I, I've never tried to, uh, it's very yeah. hard to understand yeah. the global forces that play there. But I think people are saying Bluescope is a, is a well-run company. It's got confidence to pay its dividend, confidence to keep the, the buyback back. Maybe they're being a <laughs> bit conservative on their guidance, question mark. Uh, and look, we know that they run a pretty good business. So, and it's still a decent core stock as well, a bit like Telstra. It's a different stock yeah, company. Yeah, it, 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 it's a decent core stock. I mean, I don't think you you would go overboard, Blue Scope, but uh, and yeah, you got to look. Yeah, there's a lot of risk. You yeah. know, it's a much riskier stock. But uh, the market likes the result. It'll be interesting to see just how the analysts and the institutions react over the next couple of days on that. Okay. Now, finally, Bendigo. It reported today. And the market didn't like the result. Yeah, the market didn't like the Bendigo result. And really, I guess, I think it's more to do with the outlook. Um, and uh, so Bendigo, on paper, looks like it had a reasonable result uh, for the 12 months. But uh, it had a huge decrease in net interest margin. And uh, although it's, it's, it's foreshadowed that its so-called exit margin at the end of the year was better than the last six months, so the, the, the margin June's improved mm. over what happened in, you know, uh, January, February, March, April, when you sort of average it out. Mm. Uh, it's sort of saying that it's sort of probably the best you can read into Bendigo for next year is a flat outcome because it's saying, okay, there'll be some improvement in NIM, but, but because of the way that Bendigo is essentially um, a collection of, it has some proprietary branches, but most of its branches are owned by franchisees, and that's mm. been part of the community bank model. Yep. And they drive most of the deposit growth. And so under when interest rates go up, uh, actually, the sort of the there's a greater share of profit that goes back to yeah. back to the. They uh, don't rip off the, the the customers as much as normal banks. Yeah, yeah. it goes back to the operators. So, in, in effect, that while NIM might improve in, in an overall sense, uh, there's actually going to be it won't mean a lot for for Bendigo per se. Expects volumes to be fairly flat. And the other thing it had uh, this year, of course, was that um, it had a big, it had a right back of bad debt still. Now that's mm. not going to continue, right? No. So I think the problem with Bendigo is that the, the best that uh, an investor could look at is a flat result next year, FY23. Mm. Uh, and that's led to the market saying, well, you know, why would you want to own these? I mean, clearly, you know, in this market where um, home loans is driving a lot of business, it's, it's the big banks are winning, right? Yeah. And I guess the, the, the so-called regional banks uh, are finding life tougher and the market's saying, well, we don't really need to own these yeah. regional banks. And, and home loan activity is going to fall away and, for this year at least, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so Bendigo is actually sort of, um, you know, at early results, you know, um, we haven't quite closed when we were shooting this, but it was off almost 10%. Uh, which is a big move down. Now, maybe there's a bit of value in there. I think it's probably more the market was a bit yeah. uh, disappointed on the outlook. You've got to read the outlook carefully, but it's yeah. a, the best you could hope for next year, I think, is, is, is flat. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's looking pretty tough. But it probably does improve its dividend in, in percentage terms. Well, it has forward. improved its dividend this year, Pete, yeah. so it's, uh, it's up a little bit. So, you know, it's a, it's a reasonable yielder. But, right. um, you know, I, I think if you want to look at banks, you could probably say, and I, and I think to own the, the, the so-called second tier banks, there's got to be a fairly compelling reason, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think you look at the Bendigo, um, you know, uh, result, and it's hard to see the compelling reason why you need to own 
uh, particularly when you've got four major banks and yeah. they've got so many other things you can look at at Macquarie as well. Yeah. You've got to say in a portfolio, where does Bendigo sit? And as much as I like the company, Pete, I just don't think it's there. No, that's right. That's Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. And that's the show for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Remember, if you're interested in those 10 tech stocks that analysts like, you're going to have to subscribe to the Switzer Report and look out for Beta ASX Men. I tried to get Beta ASX Women, but I could not find a tech company with an O. Maybe I should have looked right down into the all odds. But still, some interesting companies from the analysts. Uh, I'll see you on Thursday. And don't forget, switzerreport.com.au.